I'll tell him how bad you are. You bit an amateur wrestler's ear off during the tournament. What kind of man is that? That was the only match I ever lost, and that was by disqualification. But it tasted damn good. And I said, tell him, warn him, warn Mr. Hugh Sabu. I don't care, Honky Tonk Man. Virgil, you want to fight? Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, we're keeping a close eye on the psycho Johnny Payne. Thanks for checking out the Indie Handshake Wrestling Podcast. I'm Paul Ponte, and I am here today with Johnny Payne. Thank you. Johnny, how are you doing tonight? Oh, man, I'm doing great. It's, it, it's, it's amazing to be back doing something to do with wrestling, bringing back Psycho Johnny Payne, Pitbull Johnny Payne, whatever. The, that's the promoter's decision. You can call me Psycho or Pitbull, but we want nothing after that. It's great to be here, man. Thank you. How are you uh, dealing with this uh, quarantine in this wonderful time? Man, it's rough, but, uh, but I- I'm doing fine. And you know what? The virus bit us. We're going to bite it back, pull together. We have to be better and stronger when we kick this virus ass because we have to do it for those who the virus took from us. So we'll stand together, united, bite back, bite back. We're going to be better because we have to do it in honor of those who fell for us. Exactly. Positive energy going forward. Thank you, Paul. So you have been involved in independent pro wrestling for a very long time. Uh, You've been out of it for a bit, of course, but the stories live on. (laughs) So we got training with Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. If you're any kind of a wrestling nerd, you know that name. Uh, You know, you you were in the, uh, I believe it was... I'm forgetting the name NWC in Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a promotion I didn't know too much about. And then I started researching it and that's some pretty bananas stuff that was going on in, in Vegas over yeah. there. Uh, awesome. So let's get started in the beginning. Like how did you get started in wrestling? How quickly did you realize you were going to get hit really hard? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And what was your journey like into the world of independent pro wrestling? Man. I tell you, I, call, I always knew I wanted to be a pro wrestler. Growing up watching Ray the Crippler Stevens, Pat Patterson, Pepper Gomez, Alberto Madrell, Andre the Giant, Chris Taylor, Haystacks Cowtoon, watching Roy Shire's promotion. So uh, it, announced by Alan Bolte, my, my good friend of 30 years now, I called Earthquake Ferris um, from Antioch High School down in the AWA. Earthquake Ferris, a great guy successful in the AWA, probably too great of a guy to have made it in the business because he's just a, just a good guy, good shooter. And I called him and uh, said, you know, Woody Farmer, uh, God bless him. Remember Woody? Nice man. And uh, he said, Woody Farmer, Alex Smirnoff, Jerry Monty, God bless them all now, are all running uh, camps. And, uh, and Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer was, uh, <laughs> had moved to Sacramento from Georgia, from Florida. And so Quake said, you know, buzz is over. He was down in um, WCW beating up people on TV, and he was beating them up. Believe me. Um, So 
Quake said, you know, you want to get over in the business, maybe give Buzz a call. And I did. And anybody who met Buzz, the local guys, most of us are gone now, would tell you he it was a different, it was different. Man, he he had you eating out of the palms of his hand. He had you intimidated. Uh when you walked in, you know, it was Buzz Sawyer you saw on TV. Uh, toned down maybe a little bit. He spoke. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I uh, went up to Buzz's camp and was training with him the next week because he busted his hand, remember, off the top rope on the dynamic dudes. And, uh, and he just didn't want to go back. His hand wasn't broken. It was just really badly sprained. But uh, we were started training the next week. And also, you know, Ken Shamrock had just left. The American Eagle, Paul Brown, good friend of mine, was running the camp. And Buzz come in. And Buzz took everybody and stretched him to within an inch of them having an emotional breakdown. Buzz was a great shooter. Nobody taught – I mean, Buzz was a good amateur wrestler in high school, but nobody really taught it. Buzz was an amazing pro wrestler. He knew how to do everything. Drop a leg, drop an elbow, go back, hit the ropes, drop a knee, fly and headbutt. Um, everything, fly an elbow like uh, Shawn Michaels does. Off the top rope, uh, um, flying dropkick. Things you never saw him do, but he was teaching us to do it. He was amazing. He knew how to take every move from another move and turn it into another. He's the most, and I can say this all my heart, underrated, underappreciated worker there's ever been. He was amazing. Beer belly, out of shape looking guy, looked like he was 55 until you saw him in person. Big bald head at 30 and moved like a cat. Moved like if you were quick, he became quicker. If you were fast, he became faster. If you were strong, he became stronger. He just in wrestling buzz when we started working and training and doing our moves, it was competition, it was sport. He upped your game. And uh, so he just stretched me on the mat for a couple months. And it was horrible, man. It was terrible. Everybody come in that ring uh, through that door, that training center. Big, tough, big, tough dudes. Mr. World, Jimmy Badra, looked great. Great guy. Uh, This tough kid out of the streets of Vallejo, Gary. All kinds of guys. Buzz stretched us all. Nobody stood a chance against him. Um, The only thing that take down Buzz was Buzz. And uh, so he, he, he started smarting me up a little bit, but Buzz taught me the way I wanted to be taught. It was real. You respected what you did. You kayfabed. I suppose we all know what that means now. We protected the business 100%. And he taught me to be that, that guy. And that was a Achilles heel of mine for quite a while for years actually, till the honky tonk man and Steve Kern uh, was wrestling as Skinner, you know, they, they would repeatedly pull me aside and say, Hey man, you know, when you headbutt me, I don't want to have to put ice on my head that night because I have a concussion. I got to go home and I got to go to work tomorrow. You know, I was like, so I, I lightened up just a little bit, but Jason mm-hmm. Styles would never tell you I did. <laughs> earthquake, earthquake, Ferris try to try to um, tell me you know to lighten up. But the boys that come into Buzz Sawyer's camp, Bill Bill Monroe, good friend of mine still, 
also wrestled as big money. You know, we just we just loved pro wrestling and we protected it, and it was real because you know, it, it, to us and then and the way we were taught, it was real. And Buzz came in, locked the door, and made your life miserable for a couple hours, chopping you till you bled. Uh, you know, taking you down, holding him, tell you about to pass out. And then, you know, you, he teach you to fight back a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that was good at weeding out who people who really wanted it. <laughs> it weeded out everybody, brother. <laughs> everybody. Every, 25 guys one night to the next. Yeah, unless you could shoot like Ken Shamrock or Paul Brown or Mike Huff, you quit. Um, and and Billy Monroe, for whatever reason, Billy kept coming back. So, <laughs> and myself. But um, Buzz Sawyer was an incredible worker. And had he, you know, then he wouldn't have been Buzz. Had he been able to keep his business sense together, it would have been, he, he, he would have been known by everybody because he was incredible. You know, when he took me down to, uh, I, I think it was my very first match, maybe my second we were at the Great Western Forum down in Los uh, Angeles where the Lakers were playing, so, or the state, wherever the Lakers were playing. And uh, we were in the back locker room, and, you know, Buzz walked right in the back with me. It was, you know, NWA or WCW, that I can't remember. Lex Luger, Ric Flair, Sting, Ron Simmons, Butch Reed, all of them come back. All of them to his face were as happy as could be to see him. Uh, but when he was gone and I went back myself, I could see the, the difference on, well, who really wanted to talk to you and who didn't. But um, we went back there and Buzz booked me in their first match there with Billy Superfoot Monroe. And so our first match, it stunk. It, it was terrible. Kevin Sullivan was watching and wanted to bring Buzz in and bring me in as his um, protege or something. So Buzz said the next night, you, you, you break Billy, Billy's notes. Billy was there. Billy and I looked at each other and said, okay. Billy said, okay. So Billy come in and took the boot to the face. Billy didn't pull up because if my match stunk, his match stunk too. We were together. Mm. And then, you know, Billy uh, threw him out through the uh, – over at the Civic Center in San Francisco this night. Threw him out through the ropes. Billy touched no ropes. Nothing went right out through it. Boom, you know, on the hard floor out there. Didn't touch, drag anything, straight out, bang. Um, he was bleeding. He was busted up. But Billy kept coming because I was Billy Monroe at the time, Superfoot. And, uh, yeah, and Buzz said, you know, you, I want to see blood and the hard way and, and to me the real way. And we, we gave it to him. I'm not sure if Kevin liked it or not, but that's what we did. Sid I mean, liked it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there – WCW slash NWA around that time they didn't have a they didn't have like a shortage of heavy hitters you know you talk about guys like Ron Simmons and Vader and stuff yeah. like that you know these yeah. are these are guys that hit yeah yeah Vader a lot like Buzz yeah and they would have a little bullyingism and Vader would 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 back down to Buzz uh, Vader Bam Bam Bigelow yeah I mean they there was a little they would back down to Buzz uh, Steve Doctor Death Williams did not but that would have been interesting. <laughs> I was, uh, I, 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 speaking of Dr. Death, uh, the dark side of the ring with the brawl for all, that was, uh, yeah. that was an interesting moment with him on there. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, 
especially, you know, it's weird that in a business that the old school stuff was about real fighting, the brawl for all would be the thing that'd be like the worst thing they could ever do. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. it's like, okay. Uh, so you're starting off, you're, you're, go, you're yeah. doing all this stuff. Now, how does this prepare you for like when you end up going to different things, say when Buzz isn't around, as far as like locker room etiquette? Because, you know, wrestling's pretty, especially back then, is pretty known for, you know, there's very specific rules that you have to follow. You can't be a pushover, but you can't right. step on anyone's toes. It's all this stuff. So how does, you know, someone who's like being trained by basically a like massive hard ass, <laughs> how, yeah. how, does, uh, how, does, how do you kind of navigate yourself around the locker room or with, with that kind of teaching? Well, when I went with Buzz, he said, shut up and follow me and learn. And we went in and we owned the place. And I was, you know, walking in Buzz's footsteps. Then he was gone not long after, year maybe. And in the independence, um, I loved the guys on the independence. Loved them all. I probably was hard on all of them, but I loved them all. Uh, you know, guys from down south, Bobby Bradley. I mean, you know, his brother, Wayne. Loved them all. Jesse Hernandez, Billy Anderson. You know, I was stiff on them all. Joe Applebomber up here. You know, whatever. Jason Stiles, a good, good friend of mine. But, uh, yeah, you know, I kind of took hit Buzz's uh, etiquette walking in, you know, and kind of took over like I own the place. And the Iron Sheik liked that. And I knew the etiquette was you put your bag down and don't say anything. Honky Tonk Man, again, was another guy who told me to cool it a little bit. So but in the, independence, yeah, in the independence, man, you know, it, the first match started when you walked in. You had to put yourself over <laughs> in the locker room. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it, that, there was an issue. There were two issues. I was too stiff and uh, I wouldn't do a job. And um, – and walking in the locker room like I own the place. Though the guys love me, I got, I got along with them well. When the NWC opened up, I was in office, but I was with the boys, you know, like Bobby Bradley and the Power Twins. You know, when the Godfather came in, Sabu, Robbie Van Dam, you know, they all had their cliques, uh, which were all cool. But I, I hung out with the boys, you know, who worked the first match, second match, third match. You know, that to me was real, and, and, and they, were, they were the boys to me. So what was that whole uh, situation like? It seems like you had a lot of people doing a lot of crazy stuff. There were death matches. There was weapons matches. Uh, elimination steel cage weapons stretcher out match is one I see right there. Uh, there's, there was, seems like a lot that was going on. And, you know, it's, this we're talking like 95. This isn't, you know, the prime of ECW where everyone's like fully in the know with all this stuff. What was that like, especially coming from, you know, a little bit more old school, Oh, situation yeah. and then now you're going to a place where now, now these dudes are having death matches and all this yeah. stuff it's like what what do you what is your head space in this but cactus jack was there with sabu and robbie van dam and i'll tell you this all the boys from the anybody who hadn't met sabu was it was like marking out you, you know what that means right yeah everybody knows what that means right excited including me Everybody was going to be a mark for Sabu. He was coming into town. He was the number fifth or eighth ranked wrestler in PWI in it from Independence, and he and he made it. He was like he was he was the shit, and uh, we were all excited to meet Sabu. 
And the promoter, T.C. Martin, with the Money Man Buffalo Gym, with the thug, they said, you know, uh, we have your Johnny Payne, psycho Johnny Payne. They want to call me Pitbull because Junkyard Dog was there. They go, we want you to <laughs> Junkyard. They want me to – they don't want you – they don't want two dogs being in yeah. They went back. I said, oh, that's fine. Psycho is fine. Johnny Payne. So they wanted me to be like, like they were doing to do Goldberg. I was just going to demolish the undercard boys. And I would tell them every time before the match, like, you know, a Bobby Bradley or something, and I love you, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lay it in. I'm going to really, when I, when I give you a power bomb, I'm driving it down. I'm hitting. Uh, it's going to be fast and hard. This is what TC wants. Every single one of them, you know, they were good with me. They said, yep, let's do it. Apologized, thanked him, and bought him a beer after the match. Maybe two or three. Carlos Mata, uh, you know, wrestled, worked with him a few times up there. You know, and Virgil come in. and But Terry Funk. So the promoter wanted me to do just sell nothing. We're going to build you, build you, build you. Sabu is going to do his stuff with Cactus Jack. Nobody else does that. Robbie Van Dam was going to do his stuff with his tag team partner, Bobby Bradley, Ariel Rosalt. Nobody else was going to do that. So everybody was going to have their, their, their thing. Yeah. And um, I was going to work my way up the card and eventually, you know, put over Sabu or something like that. But, uh, you know, and we, yeah, it was down in Vegas. We had some, we had the Godfather come in. We had, uh, uh, we called him, we said he was Mike Tyson, but he wasn't. Je- uh, Cliff Clouser, the boxer that played Mike Tyson in the movie. <laughs> you know, Buffalo was big on leading people to believe that we actually had the star coming in. Mm-hmm. We had all kinds of people coming in. People that looked like William Shatner or whatever. And people would ask, and we'd just say, yeah, that's them. But, uh, but it was great, man. The NWC, we were rocking. We were selling good tickets at the Aladdin, um, the Silver Nugget, and mainly the Silver Nugget. And then we'd go around in a couple uh, – couple spot shows and uh always drawing like a thousand people at the silver nugget and they were the locals man it was uh off the um the strip and they would come same people every time it was really cool because then we did a halloween havoc where they asked buffalo and i to come with a few of the other guys sit in the front row while they had um the big boss man and uh, uh big show do their gimmick on the side and when Buffalo and I walked in, all our homeboys from uh, the NWC were, were all out in the crowd. They all stood up, gave a standing ovation. So that was nice. I mean, it was real. It was uh, – I, lo- I love them fans. It's one thing when I got into wrestling, the boys, they didn't – I didn't – I never liked the way marks were treated. It was like talk down. I loved the wrestling fan. I wanted to go out and talk to them and, you know, exchange stories with them. And the Iron Cheek told me, you know, you got to back that off a little bit. Elvis doesn't go out before the before the main event. You know, and I was like, okay. And yeah, you know, I listen to the Sheik and stuff. So yeah, that's uh, it's it's now gotten to the point now where the the marks are eating the marks is what it is on the <laughs> internet. People, I I got I think I got I got called a mark the other day online. Uh, I forget why. It's just just like talking about wrestling, and I'm like, you're not a wrestler. I'm like, we're both marks, you idiot. Like, we're both, we both like wrestling. Like, what's wrong with you? Hey, man, I, I, any best guy who goes into wrestling that liked wrestling was a mark. Yeah. I was. I loved it. And I went up and I ate out of Buzz's hand 
everything he was selling me, you know, and then we'd go out at night after the matches and Buzz would have another couple of matches out on the town. First guy who called wrestling, not anything short of real. I, he, he was bad. He was bad to the bone, tough, tough guy. And, uh, you know, so I had to lighten up as time went on too, but yeah, I'm still a big, I'm watching AEW now as we talk. <laughs> see, that's, see, there you go. That's, that's an, actually an interesting segue there. Uh, so, you know, Mr. Old School guy right here trained the hard hitting stiff way. Now you see stuff like Orange Cassidy on television. You know, that's a, it's a, it's a real divisive thing as Jim Cornette, who apparently is going to have a heart attack one day if he keeps watching Orange Cassidy. <laughs> yep. To me, to me, wrestling has always been like a buffet, you know? There's some, there's some great steak over here where I'm just going to watch people just holds and tough and da da da. And then there's, you know, some cotton candy over here and I'm going to see some yeah. people do some stuff, you know, to me, wrestling's wrestling, you know, it's, it's a lot of things. So, you know, what is your mindset when you, when you see like newer stuff now, especially on the indies, which has really become, yeah. you know, a, a lot different. I totally agree with you. Wrestling is like a big buffet. You got to have a little bit of everything for everybody. And hey, Jim Cornette, he'd get upset if I said this probably. He was the greatest manager I ever saw. I mean, that son of a guy, he could speak. It could come out without stutter. And he was a master. Other people say Jimmy Hart, uh, the Grand Wizard, et cetera. My favorite as being a Mark was Jim Cornette. Um, when I was wrestling, it, it was really personal to me if anything didn't look real. It just ate me alive, and I voiced my opinion. And the people on the rag sheets would would, would say how wrong I was because I can't do this. Oh, man, it was always an argument. But uh, I'd say I come full circle and see the buffet for everyone. Orange Cassidy, I can't believe it. When he went out before there were no crowds allowed, he is over. If I'm booking that show, he's out there because he's over, and the crowd digs him. Buzz would have beat him up the first day he saw him, but, you know, <laughs> and I, you know, and I wouldn't have liked it when I first met him, but if it's over with the crowd, that's what counts. Yeah. I mean, the silliness in wrestling, the only part I really couldn't stand was when they took great names like Mae Young and had her like give birth to the hand and the, the just embarrassing stuff when you have the true world's strongest man, Mark Henry, and you can't do something real with that. Yeah. I mean, the guy, remember when he came out against Goldberg as a beast with the dreadlocks? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, that was real. Instead, you know, I mean, and Mae Young, a legendary wrestler, a fabulous moolah. Let me tell you a story about fabulous moolah. Okay. So she, uh, come up to Sacramento. We were in a wrestling uh, practice. Buzz wasn't there. I was running practice. It probably 10 guys, maybe more in there. Everybody was swearing and cussing, talking wrestling, talking like wrestlers to each other. Everybody was trying to bully each other, trying to find out who could bully who. Because in wrestling, we didn't care what color, shape, sexual preference, nothing. None of that mattered. We would love you if you could stand your ground. But if you showed weakness, especially back then, then you got bullied if you showed any weakness. So everybody's trying to bully everybody, trying to get the pecking order. 
Fabulous Moolah with Mae Young walks in just out of the blue. I don't know why the door wasn't locked. Maybe she knocked on the door. She comes in, man, and all the guys try to pump up. Everybody knows who Fabulous Moolah is, try to act like there's something. She just looks down on them, and, and they all just deflate, and they can't get a sentence out. They, and, and she's just like walking around, and she owned the place. Man, wow. she had it. All the guys, the boys that thought they were big, tough, jacked up, you know, bench pressing 500 pounds, whatever, uh, boxers, fighters, didn't matter. Fabulous Moolah intimidated all the boys in there at that time. And she goes, let me see what you boys got. Get in the ring. And she expected you to be go, ready to go right then and there. She was going to do something down in Florida. She wanted to see who she could bring down. They're going through, and she was like, nope, nope, next she was hurting their feelings. Guys were walking around. And she goes, Johnny Payne, you get in there. I was like, oh, yeah, yes, ma'am. I ran in there, jumped in there, and did a few things. And she calls me over to Mae Young, and she goes, we like you, Johnny. You come on down to Florida. And I go, uh, yes, okay. And uh, she goes, uh, I go, oh. You know, I some what somebody said. I said maybe you know, like where, where would I stay when I get there? She goes, "Don't you worry, son. You'll be staying with us." I'm like, "Oh, okay, yes, ma'am." <laughs> but uh, man, she just came in and owned the place, and then walked out. Wow. I don't remember if I ever saw her again. Would have been nice if Buzz was there when she walked in. What would have happened then? But uh, you know, wow. Yeah, there's a, something weird about like, you know how the. I don't know what you call it, star power, charisma, whatever it is. Something that like certain people have, like the second you walk in a room, it's almost like when you're at like an airport or something and you see someone, you're like, they're famous. I don't know how, <laughs> but yep. like there's something about them. It's the it factor. <clears throat> yeah. It's the it factor. And you can't teach that. Either you got it or you don't. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> when I'm kind of going into an interview with my, buddies at work or something. I say, man, when you walk in the room, you got to walk in like you own it. Like you're seven feet tall, 400 pounds, and you can't teach that. Who used to say that? That guy, uh, uh, the guy from the WWE. Oh, shit. And he was right. Yeah. Uh, Alfonso, Alonzo. Uh, He's a little rapper. Oh, no. uh, Shoot. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. And you can't teach that. You can't. And um, so I kind of had that when I walk in the back locker room, which was great. But then when you left, if there was any time between shows, like in Independence, guys, it would, it would stew on them, and then they would bury you. They didn't like you. They didn't like it. But if it was every night, it was good to have the it factor walk in and own the place because then you could continue it. Never gave anybody a chance to, to debrief over it. Yeah. But in the independence, yeah, some of them like big time wrestling. Got, didn't like the way, you know, walk in like you own the place. The it factor, man. It's 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 really hard to uh, explain. Um, you know, like what did the Road Warriors do that was so different? But when they walked in, yeah, something was there. Yeah, you're gonna get hit. <laughs> also, yeah. that's the other thing. You're also gonna get the shit kicked out. <laughs> the Road Warriors are bananas. Uh, um. So you're talking about uh, the, all the different places you're traveling, all the different, all the different, I'm sure a lot of road stories you got. 
uh, you know, how far, you know, what kind of loops are you doing at the time? Like, uh, wrestling was at a ultimate low mm-hmm. for quite a while when I first started. I mean, they were going to cancel all house shows. They weren't going to hire any, uh, workers over 40. Cause I remember talking to honky talk man a lot. Jobs were few and far between territories had dried up. So you pretty much had to pack your own bags and go somewhere and get a spot show, a spot show. It was difficult to, uh, you know, to get really anything going. I went down to floor, uh, Georgia when I worked down South with, for Tom shades, uh, military wrestling shows, the iron Sheik shows up at, we were at the, um, uh, airport. I was with Nito Gomez, former bodybuilder. And we were going to travel with Mr. Outrageous's, you know, great hammer Valentine was coming in. I was probably 28 years old, 27. And, uh, the iron cheeks walking on the, um, the pathway out to get in the cars. A couple of the guys were like, Sheik, come get in our car. We got all kinds of gimmick. We got everything for you. Come kick back. I had, I had maybe two words with the iron Sheik, and he turns and he looks at me and goes, I want to go with him. And for whatever reason, Sheik and I bonded. So after a week of hanging out on the road together, the Iron Sheik, we never went back to the hotel room. We had one, but we never went back. Uh, he invited me to his home, into his house in Georgia, and uh, took me to, to WCW. And business was just starting to take up there. And he took me to – we were at a club, and all of a sudden uh, – you know, we're, we worked for WCW that morning and, uh, okay. So, uh, J- Jason Styles' favorite, favorite story. I'm down at the training center, you know, the, uh, um, the power plant. Yeah. 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 And they've got all the guys who are going to be big time there. I met uh show, big show and some other guys and Sheik saw, you know, don't put anybody over. Don't, you know, sell for nobody. So we're beating the heck out of everybody. And uh, I go into the back into the office to talk to Jody Hamilton. who was running the, um, as the assassin, he's running the power plant. And uh, he goes, uh, I go, Hey, you know, I sent you my tape, my pictures. I respect you. What do you think? Iron cheek standing next to me and we're in his office. And <laughs> Jody goes, uh, well, I don't think Eric's going to like all that spit and stuff. Cause I pop Alka-Seltzer in my mouth, start mm-hmm. drooling. The NWC wanted me to pop the Alka-Seltzer and drool all over the opponent after I beat him. And I, I don't know what happened. He said that and I lost it. He's sitting behind his desk, his big expensive desk. It's hot. He's sweating. He's got chew dripping down his mouth <laughs> on his shirt. And I go, and, and I go, oh, really? I go, you f- sitting, you know, okay, fill in the words. You sitting back there drooling your spit all over yourself? Wipe your mouth. What the heck do you want to tell me? A young guy who wants a job in the business that you don't like my drool and my gimmick? Why don't you wipe your mouth and get out and wipe the sweat off your body? And I was dropping every word there was. And calling him every name. And he was like, whoa. And the Iron Cheeks, I look over and Sheik's like, what are you doing, Johnny Payne? And I'm like, I couldn't stop. 
I couldn't stop. It just started flowing. I go, I fly all the way down here to come to your power plant, you Nicola Dr. Brody. And I'm calling them every name in the business, in the book. And, uh, and I won't even say exactly what I said. He goes, and I go, um, and you want to talk about me drooling my gimmick and you're drooling your spit down your face and it's falling all over your big fancy $5,000 desk. And finally, IRT grabs me and goes, let's go, Johnny. And we left. We just walked out. And he goes, God damn it, Johnny Payne. I can't believe it. What are you doing, you dumb man? I'm like, I don't know, Sheik. I lost it. <laughs> he was so mad. We drove, drove back to his house. And we never made it, of course, because we went out to a club that night. And Sheik goes, um, so the, the WCW guys were there. A couple of them. I, I don't remember who now. Then Tatanka walks by. And, uh, and I believe Scott Hall is Razor Ramon. I, I can't remember. The Godfather. And Tatanka was really cool. And I go, hey, man, how are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. I, go, I thought you worked for WWF. And he goes, yeah, we're in town. Oh, okay. I turn around. The Iron Cheeks talking to uh, one of the smoke. I think I think the Smoking Guns. So we went. We were, we were in. Somebody invited us to go to their next town for WWF, and that was down in um, uh, Florida, where the uh, the Magic play. Mm-hmm. They're doing Monday Night Raw. Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious was uh, was uh, returning that night as Shawn Michaels' bodyguard. Kane was there in a tryout. Kane, Hunter Hearst, Helmsley, uh, Eric Watts uh, were all there for tryouts on their first night. And I was there. <laughs> the story I told you earlier. Um, so my buddy Alan Bolte called Pat Patterson, talked me up a little bit a year ago or whatever it was. And I said, hey, Pat, Johnny, like to, you know, Alan talked to you about me and he said, oh, yeah, I said, good stuff. Uh, go hang out. We'll see if we can get you a match in between, a dark match. And um, Rene Goulet and Tony Gurria come up and uh, said, hey, you know, we want you to work with our boy here. Well, little guy, nice guy, didn't deserve what I gave him, <laughs> which was not – I gave him nothing, but I gave it all to him. Uh, <laughs> So she nothing she, and everything at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling Sheik, are we going to walk out if they ask us the job? Who am I? But anyway, so we go out and I lay it in and, man, it was just was wrong. You know, he didn't know better and we come back and uh, Sheik goes, go talk to Pat about getting paid. So I sit down with Pat Patterson, Jim Ross, and I think Arnold Skolan, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, to do the pay. And they opened up the briefcase and they gave me. So two days, I blew WCW and then I blew WWF. They gave me 50 bucks. <laughs> and I look at it. I go, uh-huh. And they go, yeah. I go, 50 bucks. They go, yeah. and I think it was Pat goes, yeah, pretty good, huh? I said, I'll tell you what, you know what? And I threw it at him. And I said, you know what? Your company needs this more than me. Said a couple other things. I said, I'm out of here. You need this more than me. I can do better than that. And uh, one of them, I think it was Pat, goes, whoa, we got young Hulk Hogan here. (laughs) And I turned around and threw shade. And I I look at the iron cheek, and he's looking at me like, 
Oh, Doug, Johnny Payne, what are you doing? So, so you know, she goes, let's storm out of here. So Sheik, uh, we're on our way out, and Vince McMahon's in the talking to Bret Hart in a um, in an office or something, and they're having a pretty in depth conversation. And I'm thinking, okay, Johnny, you blew it with WCW by going off on Jody. You blew it just now with WWF beating up their their guy, throwing their fifty dollars in their face. I go, Sheik, let's go talk to Vince. And how did you walk around with the size of your balls, dude? (laughs) (laughs) I had to pull something out of my hat. I know, man. I know. I thought it was something more. I go, I I love it. It's amazing. I'm like, Sheik, we, I'm like thinking I got to do something to salvage and save it. I flow all the way down to Georgia. I go, let's just go in. I mean, and Bret Hart's talking to Vince, a pretty heated conversation. I hear something about finish, uh, one of the boys pooped in one uh, Rip, Rip Rogers bag that night. And so that's a story for another a little bit later if you want. And, um, you know, and Brett was having heat with Sean and all that stuff. But I go, Sheik, look, you're, he goes, do you think I should? You know, Sheik goes, Johnny, do you think I should? I go, you're his champion. You made Hulk Hogan. You made this company. Oh, that's true. You're the Iron Sheik. And Sheik goes, oh, yeah, I'm the Iron Sheik, Johnny. And I, because he loved me. I loved him. I go, Sheik, let's go in that office. So I walk behind him. He goes storming in, blows the door up. He goes, ah, hello, Vince, baby. Brett, uh, I want to talk to you. And I'm like, I followed him right in with a big smile on my face. And and they were like, oh, okay, yeah, come in. Brett said, hi, Brett, you know, Johnny Payne, nice to meet you. And uh, um, uh, Sheik puts me over to Vince. And Vince goes, okay, <laughs> go see the guys you just – he goes, go see Pat and Jim. Yeah, the guys who I just threw the money at. <laughs> okay, that's going to go well. And um, so we walked out, and it's funny. Every now and then the Sheik would go, do you think I should, Johnny Pan? I go, hey, you're the Iron Sheik. You're the champ. You're the real champ. Oh, goes to Jabroni. You know, you'd hear him say it. And he'd go right in there and do it. One – uh. When we went there that night, and maybe it was even the night before, we were down there two or three nights, uh, and the guy who did Doink and the Sheik told me, put on your gimmick. That included putting on the dog collar, the chains, the harness. They said, put it all on. I'm walking around back there feeling kind of kind of funny, but when I finally got the match, though, I was ready to go. Um, oh, yeah, so Sheik leg was really bad. Really bad. He could hardly walk. We're out in the uh, car, and Cheek says, park around the back. Don't want anybody to see it. He puts his foot out. We took that ankle. We straightened it out. We taped it like a mummy. We put a uh, shoe brace lace over it, tied it up. We shoved that big boot on, and he got up, and he could walk better. And then he goes, okay, Johnny, go around and – and watch for anybody. And I don't know what he was going to do. You know, you put two and two together. We all know what he was going to do. About five, ten minutes later, come on, Johnny, let's go. And he's walking like a million bucks. Uh, but he's still limp, but he he sucked it up, man. The Iron Sheik was the ultimate because I was with him. He couldn't walk. But then he, we, he did his gimmick, you know, took his medicine, 
I taped him up. He was ready to go. Bushwhackers could tell. They they took me aside and said, is Sheik okay? Looks like he's limping. I go, man, the Iron Sheik's ready to rock and roll. He Sheik wanted me to come in as the Georgia Bulldog, as uh, somebody who he uh, he had turned into the Iranian government. And, you know, I said, whatever you want, Sheiky. We had a lot of fun, man. The Iron Sheik, uh, he could hardly walk. Junkyard Dog was there, and uh, Tim Horner, White Lightning, I guess Atlantic State champion, Atlanta, great wrestler, buffed. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Buffed up. Uh, kind of bumped into the Iron Sheik, who had that bad leg. He stumbled a little bit. Ooh, not good. Like a cat, Iron Sheik shoots in, takes uh, White Lightning down, takes him down, puts him in a cradle like that, and says, Use Jabroni, I'll take your out and, and yourself. I won't use the words he used. I used to use them all the time. Not anymore. But, uh, man, he took him down like a cat. The Iron Cheek, uh, he, he was another guy who nobody could beat him but himself. I wrestled him in Las Vegas. Uh, so I'm beating everybody. I'm, I'm selling nothing for anybody. All the, all the boys would always say, hey, I want to do that. Yeah, okay, but it, it got lost in the match. I'd beaten the hell out of them, and, but I loved them all and hug them after. So T.C. Martin is a promoter. He goes, hey, Johnny, I'm going to make your dream come true. We're down in the uh, hotel uh, front, and he goes, you're going to wrestle the Iron Sheik tomorrow night. I go, really? He goes, yeah. And he's with the thug, who's also the promoter. Buffalo Jim wasn't there yet, who was the money man. God bless Buffalo, longtime friend of mine. And uh, he goes, uh, I want you to go because I'm rooming with the Iron Sheik. I was rooming with Robbie Van Dam. Then I started rooming with uh, the Iron Sheik. And he goes, uh, he goes, uh, I want you to tell the Iron Sheik he's going to put you over. <laughs> Nobody wanted to tell him. They go, I go, what? <laughs> you want me to tell my mentor, my idol that he's, they go, yeah, he loves you. Tell him he's going to put you over. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So uh, I'll tell you a story about Robbie Van Dam in the hotel room, too. Guy was an incredible wrestler. Uh, you know that brawl for it all, which mm-hmm. I have to admit I love watching? Robbie didn't come across this way, but he'd have been a tough person to beat in that. Robbie was laid back, surfer, whatever, you know, his gimmick. But Robbie was one of the best athletes I ever saw, and he was double tough. We were in the hotel room, and he goes, Johnny, hip toss. He comes running at me. I give him a hip toss. I didn't feel anything. His feet run up the ceiling. I mean, he goes straight over the top and boom, down on the bed. Man, he was like pouncing up and just, he was like a cat. So anyway, the Iron Sheik, I'm rooming with him that night. I go, uh, so Sheik, you know, we're going to work together tomorrow night. <laughs> he goes, oh, Johnny, good. I love you. I want to work. That's great. And uh, Sheik, um, they want you to put me over. She goes, God damn it, Johnny Payne. I don't put Hulk Hogan over in Madison Square Garden. Now I put Johnny Payne over in, in Silver Nugget. Oh, look at where my career is coming. I'm like, Cheek, whatever you want to do. But, you know, it's what they wanted me to ask you. I knew he'd do it. And he goes, Johnny, I love you. It's your time. It's your time. I'm going to put you over. And so I wanted to make – kind of like Hulk Hogan with Andre – I wanted to make uh, sure I did it right. I said, Sheik, what do you want to do? 
So we're in there. He's got the Persian clubs. We're practicing it with him. Hit me in the stomach with the Persian club. No, no, he hit me with the Persian club. We're going over the spots. We're having a great time. And uh, so he's showing me the suplex he wants to give me. And I screwed it up in the ring. I was 280 pounds. He goes to lift me up. I sat down. So I'm not only giving him all my weight, I'm, I'm kind of shooting on him. I'm holding back. I kind of shoot in on his leg. And uh, he picks me up, his bad leg and all, spins me up on his shoulder, holds me up. And when I'm up there, I'm thinking, wow, not since Buzz Sawyer haven't been, <laughs> been with a man this strong that could, could do. I mean, it was an unbelievable. Spun me around, boom, put me down on the mat. I was like, that's why he was the bodyguard to the Shah of Iran. That's why he would have been on the Iranian Olympic team. That's why he would have been on the U.S. Olympic team had his uh, government not had all those, those issues. But, uh, but that, was, um, that, was, uh, that was really intense. And she put me over like a million bucks in there. I'm wrestling, and, and he's got that bad leg, and he's doing the gimmick, the Persian clubs. And I run in there and kind of chase him out and stuff. But you didn't touch the Persian clubs because that was religious. And I knew that. I knew better. I saw guys touch it at uh, the Aladdin. She knocked him out, punched him, boom, knocked him down, knocked him into the ropes. Guy get up, boom, kicked him in the face. They took him out on a stretcher. I knew better than that. So Larry Powers from the Power Twins is outside the ring. I'm looking over the top rope. I go, Larry, is the sheet coming? And as I'm yelling, you son of a gun, I go, Larry, is the sheet coming? Larry's like, yeah, shut up, Johnny Payne. Yeah, he's coming. He's getting in the ring. Okay, like, I feel like I'm sitting there for 10 minutes. I go, Larry, where is he? Um, he's, he's on his way across the ring. Now, finally, he gets there, and boom, we do the match. And, and it was great because it was the Iron Cheek. I mean, the Iron Cheek, who, what, uh, 10 years ago, takes the title off of Bob Backlund, puts it on Hulk Hogan. Now he's passing the torch to me. Uh, a couple nights later, big Ronnie Reese, remember him? Mm-hmm. Uh, played for Santa Clara basketball and stuff. I, I really liked Ronnie. Went down and did that mummy thing in WCW. The yeah, that wasn't goes, the best. That wasn't the best moment no, of, his, of his life. That was awful. That wasn't the best moment of his life. It was a career killer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we had uh, Sabu's buddy was uh, Judge Dredd, big guy from Detroit. And they go, and they were going to do this thing. Judge Dredd was going to put over Ronnie. Judge didn't like that. Big old boy out of Detroit. Big, 6'8". But he knew what he had to do. Sabu was kind of, you know, ah, I can't believe you're going to put him over, you know, pussy and blah, 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 blah. And okay. So, promoter tells me, go out there, shoot on, shoot on Ronnie, take him down. Have Larry Powers hold him down, and Judge Dredd's going to do a Vader bomb. Okay. Uh, and Ronnie's great guy. He just started in the business. He, he beats two guys. I hit the ring. I go to shoot on him. He freezes up. He forgets everything we're going to do. Mm. He's not easy to shoot on, seven feet tall, 350, 380, whatever it was. So I had to shoot on him. I could shoot a little bit, I thought, until I wrestled Buzz and the Sheik. 
And I, so I'm trying to take him down. I'm like, Ron, get down. And so I had to legit take him down. And I got him down to his butt. And then uh, Powers Twin comes in. He sees what's going on. He knows it. And Larry didn't need to be asked twice. He starts laying the boots real to him. Ronnie starts panicking, freaking out a little bit, gets sick. And he gets sick in the ring, and it's it's all over. Oh. I'm like, Ronnie, just lay there. Just lay there. I'm like, oh, God. It's all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> and uh, uh, Judge gets up on that top rope. I go, just lay there. He's going to do the Vader bomb. We're out of here. And he, and he does it. And Judge misses, and his uh, knee goes in Ronnie's arm. You swear he cut Ronnie's head off the way Ronnie jumped. Oh, man. We were holding him down. He jumped. Oh, man, he went nuts. I was like, I think Judge uh, missed or something. And so, um, uh, you know. What Judge an absolute shit show. Uh, it, it, was, it looked good because guys were really hurt. And it was a shit show, by the way. So we go to the back. And Doc Flip Hamansky, who, who who's a doc for Vander Holyfield, Mike Tyson. Uh, Ronnie goes, oh, man, Doc, look at my arm. Doc pulls his arm down. There's a big bruise and everything. He takes an ice pack and goes, here, hold that to it. <laughs> and Ron goes, well, you can show a little sympathy. And Flippamansky walks off. Flippamansky's doing all our um, uh, blood pressure. We had to take a blood pressure to uh, pass the test to wrestle that night. Jim Neidhart's smoking a cigarette. And they're doing it. And he he didn't do it three times. And finally, Flippamansky goes, Jim, you might put the cigarette out so we can pass this blood pressure. <laughs> your test and uh and then he does me and i'm like hey man am i the greatest athlete you ever had with this thing on doc and he liked me a lot and he said well second to a banner holyfield i said well i'll take that so anyway the nwc was cool sabu went up there sabu was amazing working with cactus jack they went up into the uh casino took a bump on the um the uh car tables or whatever you call it so yeah that was pretty intense uh speaking of jim neidhart whose idea and i think you know what i'm gonna ask you oh yeah i do (laughs) (laughs) yeah go ahead ask i know exactly what you're doing (laughs) whose idea was it to have him dress in a kkk outfit when he was fighting virgil (laughs) yeah i tell you exactly whose it was i was there the whole time virgil's himself Okay, I, I worked with Virgil. I got along with him. But he was all about putting Virgil over. Who, him? His idea, <laughs> his gimmick. He wanted me to be one of them. And I go, what if people see? And he goes, so what? You're a heel, blah, blah. I go, you know what? That ain't me. I don't like that gimmick. I don't like that style. I'm not going to do it. And Virgil's like, huh, whatever. And he, then he runs it by Jim. And Jim said, uh, said, okay, he did it. He didn't care. And uh, um, they put the other hood over the thug, I think. And, um, yeah, it was Virgil about, about putting Virgil over, man. Every single night he was there, he'd come up with his own angles. And, man, he, like, worked with Junkyard Dog once, and that was it because he couldn't <laughs> get over on Junkyard Dog. Did he charge the workers for the hoods? Uh, it's our, oh, yeah. 
everybody charged something for everybody. Junkyard Dog was running a pro wrestling school out of the hotel. He had a bunch of kids running around the hotel, paying him money, running his errands. I go, dog, what's going on? He goes, hey, you're gonna get in the way, bro. I'm paying my my kids running around. They're paying. They all they're in my they're in my camp. Junkyard lived in the hotel room at the time. Okay, and uh, so I worked with Dog a couple times, and I, I, believe it or not, Dog put me over too. Wow, disqualification, DQ, his idea too. Um, Dog liked me. He's like, man, you gonna go down and live with the Iron Sheik? He goes, I don't know, man. Who's the heel in that group? (laughs) Like Alex Shmirnoff used to say, he said, I'd love to see you and Buzz Sawyer wrestle the Road Warriors. He said, how would you guys talk about this? Who's going to do the job? Who's going to sell for who? You know? Just two two groups of guys standing across for a locker room from each other, not saying a word, just staring. Probably. (laughs) Probably. I had a couple of those, you know. I don't know if you remember Big Joe Applebaum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we used to uh, have just really snug matches, but some of the best matches I ever had. You know, I, I don't know what he would say now, but uh, we really beat each other. You know, and Kirk at Big Time Wrestling didn't like either one of us, but he come back with one of the one of the matches where Joe and I did. He said that was one of the best matches I ever saw. You guys beat on each other. He said, I, I was entertained because Joe and I, I mean, I remember Joe, we were wrestling incredibly strange wrestling and Joe, uh, Joe, Joe took the chair and hit me hard. That's all right. Joe goes, I knew after I hit you, I was going to get a receipt. So Joe's standing there and I see that big back and the plastic, it was a plastic chair, you know, kind of stings. I hit him as hard as I could in the back. I hit him so hard. The rivets, the pop rivets popped out and the plastic, you know, butt cheek flew out and went down. Big old welt on his back. He then flips over the top rope and incredibly strange, you're allowed to sit on the corner of the ring. There's this girl sitting there drinking, talking to a guy. They don't see Joe's 400 pounds coming over the top. Joe wouldn't have moved. Joe was going to smash him and he would have killed them. I hit Joe at the last second. Just enough to move him to uh, to just, uh, you know, just kind of brush yeah. the shoulder. I remember them going like, I was like, oh, God. Joe goes, I knew I was going to get a receipt. Or, uh, you, did you ever see Incredibly Strange? Where I have the- seen clips of it. Uh, I believe you probably know a, a mutual friend then, uh, Ron Head. Uh, that was the announcer, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. been a long time. Sorry. No, no, no worries. I yeah, saw I him at, at his place. Yeah, I worked there. Um, it's early in the show, and I'm leaning outside, and this is back in my – it's realism day. You know, I'm going to beat up my the boy I'm working with. And this guy has a drink, you know, hard stuff, and he goes – and I'm yelling, his, should I turn the light on? Is it getting dark in here, or does that look nice and creepy? Oh, that's all right. That's fine. All right. So he goes uh, – he goes – he says, ha, 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 and he throws the drink in my face, right in my eyes. And it burns. I grabbed him by the head, pushed him down in the mat, shoot, shoot style. And, they, and then the, the, the bouncers jumped on him, and they pulled him out. I was like, whoa, they're taking care of him any better than I can. <laughs> so then I stormed through the crowd, get out of my way, bah, 
and I go out into the street and the cops are there. And I'm in my big furry boots like Bruiser Brody and Buzz War. I'm in my wrestling singlet my, or my first singlet. I can't remember. But I had my big furry boots all through my career, big beard. My Alka-Seltzer is working well, spitting all over. And I go, hey, you two, escort me back into that ring. I need you to escort me away from all these pigs. Come on, guys. Those two cops stepped right up. They loved it. They moved the crowd aside. That's they escorted awesome. me in. Oh, it was great. Two San Francisco uh, cops walking the beat. I go out and get it. I'm yelling at them. They, they went right into showtime, man. They, they, it, was, it, was, it was a good one. Wow. So you must have saw some crazy shit with extremely strange wrestling because that was – or incredibly strange yeah. wrestling because that was some banana stuff going on in that promotion. They have like AIDS needles matches and all kinds of nonsense after, going on there. I, I, guess, I guess they did after I was gone. It was a little more wrestling okay. and rock and roll. Yeah, I didn't know. They were allowed to throw tortillas at us, though. So they, they escalated like, quickly then. Yeah, yeah. Like tortillas, by the time I wrestle, it, the ring would be like three inches thick in tortillas. I'd have tortillas all grimed up in my beard. I'd be, I'd like eat a whole burrito during the match or something. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and because and back then I had a short fuse, a burrito. Not the burrito. Tortilla would hit me in the face, and I get insulted, man. I, oh, I can't believe it! You're crapping on my business. Who did that? Yeah, but the crowd loved it, and so what the hell? And when I hit Joe though with that chair, I ain't never hit anybody like that. I mean, he knew it was coming. It actually popped the pop rivets out of the chair. The uh, the butt seat goes flying, and so. But Jason Styles probably was about. I had probably 20 matches with Jason. I've even apologized to Jason how snug I was with him, but Jason was, Jason was tough though, man. He could have, we drove up to Vegas a few times, wrestled together up there. I uh, had good time with Jason. Here's a, here's a, here's a, uh, a story for about Jason styles. Okay. So we're in the back, back locker room of, uh, Buffalo Jim's TV promotion. And, uh, Buffalo went to uh, some show with um, uh, Judge Judy. And somebody from the Judge Judy show, I guess, was there. And everybody thought he had a gun outside in the street. Buffalo goes, somebody go get rid of him. And Jason stands up and goes, I'll go get rid of him. I'm like, the hell are you doing, Jason? <laughs> yeah, Jason went out there and got rid of him. But uh, and then, uh, man, it was... Uh, Buffalo would call it his misfits. Nobody, you, I would wrestle guys with no, no training at all. Not only not a match, no training. We would train them in the back and go out to the ring, try to get a guy to live through my DDT so we could, you know, wrestle. <laughs> oh, geez. I wish uh, I have. Uh, we did a we did a show for Buffalo up in. Las Vegas and uh, Sam Bowden Stadium in the parking lot. And it was a record heat, hot day in Vegas at Sam Bowden Stadium. A record day, and it was in August. It was so hot when you hit the ring because we were outdoors. You had to get off it really quick or you burned. Oh, Especially wow. if you went on the um, – the uh, uh, who was there? Oh, was he? <laughs> I really think he was. And they didn't want to wrestle. They come up out of Mexico. They said it was too hot. I mean, it was 
hot. And so I told Buffalo, man, I got to go. Why don't you just let me wrestle the first six matches? Because it was all for TV. I'll do six matches in a row. I kind of didn't mean it. I was just kind of ribbing the guys because they were acting like a bunch of babies. I go, I'll do six matches in a row, then I'm going. Because, you know, these were, you know, Hoovy was over. Oh, uh, yeah, Este Rios was there. Este Rios? Yeah, is he, he was the guy who was with WWF, right? Yep. He was over. Okay, real good worker. And they didn't want to go out because it was so hot. It was like in the 120s. So I was kind of ribbing them saying, I'll go five, six times in a row. And Buffalo means it. He goes, no, go every other match. And I did. And Buff was diabetic. And when he come back, he told one of his boys from the school, pull my boots off. Because he couldn't hardly walk. Guy pulls his boots off. Um, you hear these stories about this baseball player. Michael Jordan's talking about it now on his basketball show. Their feet, their socks were covered with blood. Buffalo's white socks were like they had been dipped in paint. And that's no joke. I mean, oh, it, wow. it split wide open. Um, I mean, it was awful. But Buffalo was the show must go on, man. He was out there in his cowboy boots, his long black jacket, his, his big old hat, his uh, long beard. And we went out there, 120, 125 degrees, and uh, had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I miss Buffalo. It was, it was, oh, it was a really man. good time. I knew that Buffalo's Federation was closing up when the last time he brought me up, he brought me up a few times with Jason, and we brought a few of Jason's boys up. He goes, just come up yourself. Okay. Where's the ring? It's gone. So where are we going to wrestle? We're not going to wrestle. We're going to do interviews. Where are we going to do interviews? You're going to interview these guys in this just room with garbage all over. And that wasn't even the gimmick. And it looks like an old red dirty couch. I go, I think we're near the end of this run. But uh, so that was the last show. Wow. <laughs> Buffalo always took good care of me. We had a good time. Wrestled a lot of matches for him and for the NWC. One show, the NWC, uh, one of the Wild Samoans were up there. Got along with them really well. Great guys. Uh, somebody, it's you know, he wanted more money. He had the promoter up against the wall, had him choking. I happened to come in. I had been hanging out up in the – and that, that's probably the only thing that stopped save the promoter's life. Wow. Because I could tell there was some sort of tension that all stopped when I walked in the room. Promoter had a red hand mark on his neck. So I just hung there, make sure nobody did anything they didn't want to regret later. Yeah. When you were hanging around uh, some of the WCW guys, did you ever meet Ming? Yes. Yeah. Iron Sheik introduced me to him. Yeah. Okay. Because from all the new podcasts I listen to, like I listen to Bischoff's, I listen to Tony Schiavone's and everything. Apparently Ming literally just could beat up anyone in the world. That's, that's what they said. Like Ming was like the most badass person on the planet. I, I've heard all the stories. Um, I heard the stories before I got down there. Mm. And I knew the Barbarian pretty well, his partner. And Barbarian liked me. I liked him. And I met Ming and he was a he was just a great guy, and it was the same night that Vader got in a fight with Paul Orndorff. Oh, if wow. Anybody wants, yeah, if anybody wants to tell you the true story, I was there right next to Paul 
because I was due to go up. Um, and uh, they, Ming, like you said, he was at a different level when the office wanted like Kevin Sullivan and, and, and the assassin Jody and who, whoever else was office wanted that fight to stop. They got Ming because uh, first fight, Paul was an animal. I don't know that too many people could have gone with Paul Orndorff. And he took him. Vader goes back, wipes the blood off his face, gets himself ready, gets himself all. Yeah, he got, you know, gets himself. And then he comes back for a rematch, squares up the box. They're duking it out. Uh, the Iron Sheik takes um, Paul, takes him back. And Vader didn't want to stop. It took Ming to take Vader back. And so. He, Ming wow. had that kind of reputation. But Ming, I, I met him. He was very nice, uh, very low-key. Didn't need to be anything but. His reputation was made. Uh, he was over in a the business. They would have never asked him to embarrass himself. So he was happy. Yeah. Yeah, apparently people say he actually did the tongue and death grip in real fights. <laughs> and I was like, that's the most bananas thing that. ever. Yeah. Uh, so is it, true, is it true Orndorff was wearing uh, flip-flops or sandals or something? Yeah. Paul was wearing nothing but a pair of small tennis shorts, white tennis shorts, no shirt, no socks, flip flops from the shower. He was out. We were doing interviews. Uh, Renegade warrior was there. Um, then one of the gophers were there. I went to the back. Vader was talking to sting about some spots they were going to do. Vader just blows the kid off. Paul then comes in the back and just goes irate on Vader verbally and then walks, storms out. And everybody, there was like 20 of us back, Dick Slater's back there. Hey, Dick's pretty tough. Uh, Sting, um, you know, and all the other boys that were there at the time. Uh, and uh, probably Ming, Barbarian, because I was with them right before. And then Vader stews for about a minute or two. And gets up, storms out, and goes, hey, nobody talks to me that way. Double hand shoves Paul, knocks him on his ass. His, his flip-flops fly up, you know. So now he's shoeless. But Paul gets up like a, like, a, like a tiger, man, like a cat. Boom, right into Vader. Knocks him back into the um, uh, to this big heating vent area like a cat, like an animal. Steps back, knocks him a couple punches, knocks him down with that, you know, that crab arm he had. All of a sudden, that crab arm was super armed because, you know, he had the nerve damage. Yeah. A couple of that. And he knocked Vader down. And he starts kicking him in the face a couple times, barefoot. Oh, uh, UFC style before UFC was alive. So the Sheik then pulls Paul back and calm down, calm down. And Paul's storming around. Oh, my God, I'm going to get fired. It's my first night. I can't believe it. Kevin Sullivan comes back and goes, Paul, relax. Vader goes back, wipes the blood off, gets himself, you know, revives himself. And he goes back for the rematch. And they're in the TV room. Vader knocks the door down, squares up, goes, I wasn't ready. You sucker punched me. Well, he was ready. He started like this. And uh, they just started. You hear this bang, bang. And then uh, they one, I remember hearing one of the top office guys go to Ming. Ming, go break it up. 
Ming jumped on Vader's back and goes, what are you doing? And Vader just, wow. Yeah. It was intense. And then yeah. I got to go talk to Paul about a job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how's this going to work? Man, so. You just walk up. So how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, the next day at Gold's gym, Paul was there and we talked about it. And Steve Austin was there uh, as the Hollywood blonde. Yeah. Long blonde hair, I think. Stunning Steve. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was hurting, but he was trying to work out. Paul was working out. And Paul was worried about his job at the time because of what went down. But shoot, he got promoted and Vader got sent to WWF. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That was intense. So the bag pooping thing, that happened oh, yeah. the next night or two. I, go, I come back in the locker room. I'm like, Oh, what stinks? And Rip is over washing all his stuff because it's all over his bag. And I'm like, man, that's wrong. I don't care if I, my first night back there, this is wrong. So I don't know if the guys who did it were right there. I know obviously they wanted to get rid of him. Uh, Barbarian was there shaking his head and Billy Gunn. Uh, Billy Gunn gave, uh, Gave a rip a towel from the hotel. And I went over and gave him a couple uh, t shirts, Johnny Payne t shirts. <laughs> and, uh, you That'll know, be $15. <laughs> yeah, pair yeah. rip. Here's a couple shirts because you don't have anything to wear. Now, where's my 10 bucks? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I just wasn't right, man. And I don't care who it was. And I don't care who knew I was helping the guy out. That just was gross. So, yeah, that's. I mean, I mean, it was terrible. It was not right. <laughs> so, so then he wants me to to pee in his cup for him for his drug test. Heck no. <laughs> oh man. Okay, uh, it's about that time. The Booker has run out, trying to take it home. I have a feeling you are going to be the first person I ask on for a second time, because I'd love to. You oh, feel, I feel like, start coming to my head. yeah, I feel like, I feel like we're just scratching the surface here. So, so I'm just going to go ahead and go through some rapid fire stuff. Uh, but of course, if it triggers anything, as far as a story, feel free to go ahead and do it again. You're, you're a great storyteller. So I'm, you know, I'm not going to tell Picasso not to paint anyway. Okay. So, uh, number one, favorite move or hold that you never used. Um, I always wanted to master a pile driver with some sort of flair to it. Remember the guy, the Canadian kid in TNA? Oh, yeah. Did the flip with Williams. It? Yeah, yeah. That was my idea, but I never could get somebody to do it without maybe killing them. Pile <laughs> drivers. Yeah. Oh, like we tried. <laughs> we tried. It didn't go well. <laughs> All right. Uh, craziest fan interaction. Um. You know, there there was millions of them. The one where the guy threw the drink in my eyes. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Took his head down. The, yeah, you know, um, there was millions of them. I come up with some better ones than that. Okay, uh, when you're working against someone in the ring, besides obviously trying to hurt you, what's the worst thing someone could do when they're working you in a match? You know, not listen. You know, um, you can be stiff or snug, but. You know, if we're not going to do something and you're going to try to do it, no, no. Okay, here's the fan one. So uh, 
I was brought up to the NWC and there's a, a rock and roll guy doing, you know, like um, a radio station and I'm supposed to wrestle him. And the promoter tells me, you know, beat him up a little bit, protect the business because he knew I would, but don't hurt him. I said, no problem. So no problem. Next thing you know, I show up at the arena, the Aladdin arena. Jesse Hernandez is in the ring. Do you know Jesse? Mm-hmm. Longtime trainer from down south. Uh, he was in the movie with Georgie Animal Steel, Ed, Ed Wood. So they go, they brought a shooter out of Canada. You guys know, all. everybody knows what a shooter is. Yeah. I go, yeah. really? They go, yeah, the, the radio station flew him down. They go, okay, I go, tell Jesse, get out of there. Don't smarten him up. We're going to shoot. And, uh, and the guy wasn't a bad guy, but I knew he wanted to shoot. And I was going to shoot, and, you know, would see the way it worked out. And all the boys were getting ready to, to watch it, you know. And I think Nails was there, Kevin Kelly, that night. So, you know, he's like, hey, you better take him out. Don't worry, I got this. Um, then the guy comes and puts a hood on, a mask. And, like, I, I don't want that, man. I want, the, I want them to see your face when we shoot out there. Because if I take you down, I want the glory. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and then the rock and roll guy is getting all cocky. I'm like, whatever, we'll go out there. We go out there in the shooter, and I'm going to shoot with him. And the shooter freezes up. So this is my fan story. He, he, he just stands there. I'm like, well, what's going on? He, he froze. He, he didn't move anything. I took him back, picked him up, ran him into the corner, took his shirt, ripped it down. And I didn't, you know, happen to, you know, pull it down like that. I turned around. Next thing you know, I noticed I pulled his pants down to his ankles too. Everything. Although I let him wrestle with himself to get his pants back up. I mean, they were all down. Five shoes. It took about 30 seconds. Fans were going crazy. So I let him fix himself. And I, you know, Buzz Sawyer style chops. And he's like, oh, my God. And, you know, like he rolls out. He leaves. He walks out. I tore the mask off. I mean, I wanted everybody to see him. So I turn around to the rock and roll guy, and I, he was supposed to come up on the ring apron and hit me with a uh, guitar or something like that. He's up on the ring apron, and he stops. And he's just standing there. So I had to go over and grab him, and he, 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 I don't remember what we're going to do. He forgets everything. So I had to shoot on him. And I called Larry Powers in the ring, and, we started wrestling and there was these uh, two tables set up one with all these boxes of popcorn and the, you know, like probably a hundred boxes, you know, the kind they would sell and a uh, hundred sodas. I go, Larry, take me over and I'm going to take a hip toss and knock the popcorn everywhere. He's laughing. I go, just, just, and we did, we knocked the popcorn. Then I go, okay, now let's go over to the soda table. We knocked the soda table over. I go, throw me into the popcorn machine. I'm going to break it. And I went and put my head through the pie, just popcorn machine. And, and, you know, nobody was mad. The Aladdin loved it. They thought it was funny. Uh, I don't remember what the rock and roll guys said. It was their problem. That was that one. Oh, my gosh. Well, the promoter's not mad at me for going too long on this finish, I hope. Oh, no, you're fine. <laughs> uh, what's it called? Just go, just go a little... Uh... Buzz Sawyer on him. He'll 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 be he'll deal with it. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, okay. Um 
Was there a time where you were legitimately surprised by someone you were working with? So maybe they were way better than you thought they were just like something about them. You were like, wow, this, this is really like, this guy is just great. Yeah. Um, couple times that would have been Rob Van Dam and Sabu. We did a spot and, um, it had to do with hip toss, not the one where I gave him the hip toss in the hotel room. We had to do a hip toss, a suplex. They were doing a, a battle, no, a lumberjack match. And it was just like, wow, that looked really good. And I never felt anything. Maybe I need to, you know, and Rob Van Dam and Sabu, you know, they've been known to be stiff, but it, it was awesome. Um, but most of the time it was with where the guy was bad. You know, where uh, mm. I took a, this guy wrestled with a dog bone. And he goes, Johnny, I'm going to hit you with the dog bone. I'm like, oh, that's fine. I'm going to hit you with the chain. And uh, he hits me with the dog. He really hit me with the dog bone. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, it was really intense. Most of the time it was because they were bad. But Jason Styles was always excellent to work with. Because, you know, he could do everything I wanted to do. And he would do whatever I wanted to do. And so, you know. So wrestling Buzz Sawyer was a competition. Mm -hmm. I wish I could find the tape where he would take me 30-minute matches because Ole wanted us down there for the uh, uh, Star K Black Scorpion gimmick. He'd take me 30-minute matches. It was a competition. Man, you had to step up or tap out. It was, you know, you had to step. It was competition. And that was uh, like, wow. He moved like a cat. Uh, he would – do a leapfrog, I wouldn't even bend, have to bend down. Just all six foot two of me went right underneath him. Leapfrog, you know, uh, flying elbow. It, he, he was incredible for all, you know, for his obvious shortcomings. It, it was in, incredible to, to work with him. Wow. So that's actually a, a pretty good segue into this next one. Uh, besides Buzz Sawyer, who has the hardest chop in the business, brother? Well, Nobody knows him, but the American Eagle, Paul Brown, didn't know how to work anything, so it was all straight out. Man, that, you know, uh, Paul Brown or probably me, ask Jason Stiles. I landed <laughs> into his chest a few times. You know, I just, to me, honestly, the chop, I, I, I think it's so overdone. It's kind of fake, but it hurts. Someday when I meet you in person, I'll give you what I'll show you. I mean, I can lay it in there. Okay, okay. I don't do that Ric Flair style. I'll do overhand. I bet you uh, uh, Big Show. I bet you Big Show is real. I met mm. him before he uh, debuted down at the power camp, and I didn't think much of him, but he was a nice kid. But, uh, boy, did I should have thought a lot of him because uh, he was a man. One time I was at an all-pro wrestling show, and uh, you remember uh, Dalip Singh? He ended up becoming great Kali. Yes, yes, of course. So he was he was against Max Justice, yeah. And, yeah. and Max Justice, really? he did a moonsault, and uh, Dalip or Kali he rolled the wrong way. So Max Justice's knees went straight on his back, landed right on him, and he got up and he was pissed, and yeah. he immediately just starts with those giant frying pan hands just yeah. all over Max's chest, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> it was like, yeah, oh. Max, Max wasn't no wimp either, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was, he was a good guy. If you ever, do you ever talk to him? I, not since I worked at a APW, but he was a nice guy every time I talked yeah. to him. If you ever talked to Max Justice, uh, 
or uh, Mike Modest, always send my best. Absolutely. Two good, solid workers that deserved more in the business. We were all together up in Stockton. So a story for the next time, uh, uh, working at WWF, uh, and I thought Mike Modest, uh, excellent worker, knew how to do everything. Uh, uh, Max Justice, uh, Mike, I called him Mike Diamond. Um, same guy, right? Uh, I believe so. I don't know. I yeah. don't remember his other name. Mike Diamond was his first name. Uh, so anyway, two guys that deserve more that could have made it more in the business. Yeah, I think if Modest, especially his style, if he was if he was like hitting his peak right like now where like the internet yeah. is like fully like, you know, you can look up matches, 20 different matches of every worker that's on the indie scene right now, no matter how big or small they are, I yeah. think it would have been a huge difference in his career. Yeah. Probably right. Yeah. Cause he, back then they were all monsters. Um, I think he was going to get a break. I don't remember what happened, but he, he was good enough very much. Uh, besides uh, Pat Patterson, has a booker tried to stiff you on money? Oh, we were down in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico and uh, Johnny Walker. I don't know if that's his real name. I don't remember. We're back there in this uh, rodeo, and <laughs> Buffalo Jim takes all Johnny's money for booking, for working, for this, for that. So I'm thinking, well, man, Buffalo's got about seven, eight hundred bucks tonight. I'm going to get paid good, you know, a couple, two, three hundred bucks maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, early in the career, and um, I worked my match. I, I don't remember who, and then he puts up a uh, steel cage. And Johnny Walker wrestles the honky-tonk man. Johnny been drinking all day long. And honky-tonk man's a tougher dude than anybody would know. Uh, Johnny goes out there and honky. And I'm in the back in a trailer. And I hear this uh, over the microphone in the arena. Johnny Payne, get out here. Johnny Payne. I'm thinking, that sounds like honky. He's calling me to come out there. So I run out there and gimmick. And I get in the ring and through the steel cage. And Honky goes, that son of a gun, he's shooting on me. Johnny froze up. He's probably drunk. And so, so Honky goes, shoot on him and take him down. So I did. And Honky lays it to him. Yeah, so that story is for the next time. Then when I go to get paid, the commission calls me up in the uh, – I knew it was bad news. The commission calls me up in this office and goes, so Johnny bought an insurance policy. What's your address? What's your – we're going to – and it pays 70% of whatever you're guaranteed. So what was your guarantee? I said $1,000. That's – I just make it up a big number. I figured I'm going to get 700 bucks. No check ever came. Yeah. You know. That's the Indies, man. Especially back then. But WWF, 50 bucks. I had to throw that back in his face. <laughs> well, I'm sure Jason's told you, you know, the, the, the main stiffing he got was uh, from WCW themselves. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we were at that TV match, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, but I always got paid well in Las Vegas by uh, TC Martin and Buffalo Jim. Um, Shoot, those guys, most of the time I was paid before I even went out and worked because they knew uh, I, was, I, I was excited and there to do it. Paul Brown, the Eagle, when he was running shows. Um, 
I'm sure I can't remember Kurt with big time wrestling paid, you know, always come through whatever he said he was going to do. Yeah. Uh, incredibly strange. Always come through with what they were going to do, but I've been on several independents where it's okay. Where's the promoter? Yeah. Nobody knows where he's at. Uh, what's the hardest you've laughed at an indie show? Oh, when um, we were in the back with Buffalo and um, Jason Styles is there. And one of the girls that are going to go out and be a manager, she's getting really nervous. And Jason goes, Johnny, look at her, put her makeup on. Um, lipstick, put it all. I mean, it's all over the place. And they're calling her. Her, her time is to go out, you know, do a run-in or whatever it was. She missed it. And so this guy comes back here and starts yelling at her. And it was just like all the misfits back there started fighting. And Jason and I just couldn't. I mean, it was just hilarious. You know, and every time everybody I had to wrestle, nobody knew anything. We draw the match together. So, I mean, that was where we were last. <laughs> Oh, uh, I'm sure you've seen a lot of really bad ones. So this might be, may take you a second. What's the worst gimmick you've seen? That I didn't do? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, the, the gimmick I was most insulted with and wouldn't have, did not believe in, you know, and Virgil wanted to put himself over was when he asked for the guys to put the hoods on. I thought that was out of line. It wasn't needed. It, uh, you know, he's all, I want to get heat. You know, well, hey, let's go out and get heat. But let's get it real. Well, I guess that can be considered real. That's pretty cheap heat, though. I, I agree, man. It's yeah. just, you know, not right. And, you know, some of the worst gimmicks was uh, when they wrapped uh, Ronnie Reese up in the uh, bandage and yeah. had him sit back there for four hours until he went on and he almost passes out in the ring. You know? Oh, man. That had to be the worst. What was his name then? Uh, Sasquatch thing? Or- uh, was he the Yeti? Yeah, yeah. And then he yeah. came out and he kind of just like humped Hogan. It was very weird. It, yeah, was, yeah, it, was, yeah. it wasn't good. He was about to faint, man. He was so <laughs> hot. They wrapped him up for hours sitting back there. Um, uh, you know, uh, a gimmick that I thought was wrong. You remember uh, Mantar? Mantar, yeah. no. Yeah, he was WWF. He wore the brown turtle looking suit and he had a big giant buffalo head that went over his head oh yeah and he couldn't get in the ring yeah yeah it wouldn't fit into the ropes right right you know he was a good guy and he probably could have worked but they set him up for their own entertainment man it was like they buried him and it was like awful when he took it off and he did his thing it was okay but yeah yeah i mean it was just terrible and um, when Bob Holly uh, did Sparky Plug, oh man, he didn't like that because that was a tough dude, and uh, and that was a real dude, and man, he didn't like that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think it was co- kind of a cool little gimmick, but oh man, I'm glad I. Well, that was when up. that was when everyone had to be something. It's yeah. like you're a race car driver, and you're a nurse, yeah. and you're a doctor, and you're <laughs> everyone had to be yeah. like. I don't know. And Everyone then, uh, had to be an eight-year-old's uh, fantasy of what they wanted to be when they grew up for some reason. Yeah. And it probably got over a little bit, but then he got all pumped up, bleached his hair like Steiner did and, you know, and got yeah. over. Um, so, I mean, I remember back when I was a kid watching the mummy wrestle and the wolf man, you know, that of Mexico wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I've seen all the gimmicks. 
any uh, WWF, WCW, ECW guys that, that uh, you worked with at a show or just worked at the same show as you that thought they were way better than the show and they showed it? Well, the Ultimate Warrior, you know, I got along with him. He goes to me. We, I was the only, nobody wanted to talk to him. The Ultimate Warrior come back in uh, the NWC. And a, a lot of guys were already put off by him. But I, I didn't know why. And, you know, and he, you know, he would, he'd come back there and for, he, I guess he had to make friends with somebody. So he comes to me and he goes, Hey, you know, uh, what's your gimmick? What's your name? Where, who, who trained you? I told him and he goes, he stops. He goes, are you kidding me? You made it through his camp and you're still here. He goes, and you're one tough son of a gun. And, and he came out and watched my match and, and told me some things he thought I could do different and thought I should do it. He was totally respectful. So I, I hit it off with him. Then we were up at the Aladdin and, uh, you know, Virgil was number one as far as thinking he was the man. So the warrior comes in and, um, he's all pissed off that, uh, his name's not on the marquee of the whole, uh, casino. Like on outside on the casino. Yeah. He's, he's mad. And he asked the promoter for all the cash to go buy some spots. And he left. He drove out. He left. So we all had to get together to figure out what we could do to uh, save the show. Because main event's gone. You got to offer uh, refunds. We need to do something to pop. We talked about putting a wig on this big pumped up kid out of Southern Cal. Uh, the promoter didn't like that. Earthquake Ferris, my good friend, tries to make a joke and goes, let's put a wig on Johnny. And there's nobody pops. And he looks at him. I go, Quake, that thing. He goes, I know. I just want to leave the room. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man. And, you know, maybe the warrior had a point. He said, I can't draw if you don't promote me. So he storms out. And, you know, well, I think we probably all got a little more stiff that night. Yeah. I don't remember, but, yeah. But Virgil, you know, he was the one. He was running his, 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 his gimmicks, and he always, you know, working with Terry Funk. And man, you work with Terry Funk, you don't say a thing. You just do what he leads. Yeah. You know, when I worked with Terry in a battle royale, it was like, you know, it was an honor. You know, that was something, something cool. Yeah, when uh, when Jesus Cruz, uh, who I had on the podcast before, when he was like. 18 17 or like 16 he was he was taping a big time wrestling show like doing camera work for them yeah and it, it was a show that virgil was at and he goes up to him and he goes you better not tape my match to like this teenage kid he's yeah. like the wwe's gonna sue wwf's gonna sue you if you tape my match okay man yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you know when uh, we wrestled in antioch we brought in sergeant slaughter george the animal seal superfly jimmy schnooka honky tonk man iron cheek both road warriors, Hawk and Animal, uh, the Bushwhackers, Sabu. All of them were uh, total professional. Um, Sabu didn't feel well. It, it wasn't the Sabu that I had remembered that that during that time. But uh, um, the road warriors, they didn't feel well either. They just caught out of Japan. But Sergeant Slaughter, I mean, you don't get any bigger than that. But they're all gentlemen, all cool. Uh, 
So most of the time, it, it went well. Nice. All right. Uh, so I know you're not the most touchy-feely guy as far as, you know, you grew up in the hard style here. But I always ask about the pure joy in pro wrestling. Now, I'm talking about the moments where when you remember them or when you experience them, you get the goosebumps. You're like, this is why I love this fucking sport. This is what I love about this. What part about pro wrestling is that for you? Well, like I said, and I'll say it to anybody now, hey, I'm 53 years old. If you're over in the business, I don't care. We're all a mark. Because I never liked the fact that the boys would treat marks differently or wrong or down on them, man. I love sitting and talking wrestling. I love this. But uh, when I got to meet, when I was a kid watching them come up, when I went to pick up the Road Warriors at the airport, that, that was, to me, that was, that, was, that was cool. I got to travel with and stay with the Iron Sheik. That was the moment. Um, when I got to go out on Monday Night Raw – uh, uh, Razor Ramon, Tatanka, Bam Bam Bigelow, and whoever the fourth one was, was waiting in between for the window for my dark match to go up through the raw, uh, you know, the walkway and stuff. That was it. But you know what? Um, cause you'll appreciate this. The independence, man, the Indies were cool. That's what, that was to me, wrestling territories, getting and sitting and just talking with the fans. I didn't need to go out and party. I didn't, that wasn't me. I wanted to talk about old wrestling stories, Ray the Crippler Stevens, you know, Pepper Gomez. When I got to meet Pepper Gomez, Alex Smirnoff, yeah, that was cool, man. And uh, Pepper and did a spot with me where he was a manager. And, uh, you know, I was still really green and bully and, you know, and I saw Pepper couldn't walk. And um, so I went over and I helped him. And, you know, I go, Pepper, the ring's really bouncy. Don't worry. Whatever you want to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow your lead. You're not, you're not going to have an issue tonight. You know, so something like that was pretty Kenji Shibuya when I worked with him that night and uh, with Jerry Monty. And, you know, working with some of the old stars like that, that was pretty cool. And uh, that always meant a lot, especially if they treated you decent. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there All was right. a big difference how the WWF stars would come in and and other guys too. So. Yeah, but there's always even like you know there's a lot of guys that you always hear certain things about. Like a lot of people say things about Scott Hall and the way he acted in WCW, especially towards the. But like the whole time when he feuded with Larry Zabisco was yeah. because Zabisco gave him a shot early in his career, and he was like, "I need to make sure I put Zabisco over." Now okay. that I'm like in the spotlight. That's cool. But, yeah, yeah. See, so you know what I mean? So like, even in like cases where people talk so much shit about a certain person, even yeah. them, they have a moment where they're like, wait, but I gotta, yeah. I gotta do something here. You know, that, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I gotta think if I ever came back and gave, gave back and put somebody, well, I did go on Facebook for my first time ever when it was first, you know, it come out years ago. I know I'm older. I, and when I went on, I went on Facebook to make contact with the Navajo kid, Steve Islas, Bobby Bradley and all them, just to tell them, man, the time with you guys meant so much to me and was so special. I'm sorry I was stiff on you. I loved you guys. 
<laughs> I hope you appreciate you're okay with it. And man, it was just it was nice to bond back with them because I wrestled Navajo kid a lot out in Arizona and all the uh, Indian reservations. They would a um, couple times they made me an honorary um, uh, tribe person, tribal person there at the uh, on the Indian reservations. Just had a great time, man. And those guys. That was like a territory time. So that was nice. Fantastic. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate you being on the podcast. I definitely want to have you on again. Uh, so many great stories. I really appreciate it. Uh, anything, else you wanna, anything else you want to get hey, out there into the world? Ne- next time, now my memory will be, what do they say, jargoned a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> I'll go a little further into them. I'll write down a couple of stories. As, uh, I, but I'm just not going to use any of the foul language. I just... Not my style. Um, so I remember uh, a couple times the sheik would say, you, you, you don't need that cheap heat. We'll get over what, what she called it white heat, meaning like real heat. You mm-hmm. don't need cheap heat. So, you know, you get that cheap pop. Sometimes you had to. You put on a jersey from the high school you're wrestling at, yeah, you get over easy or something like that. Oh. I had one on one night and, uh, and uh, for the high school. And Hawk and Animal were there. And they go, huh, I think we're going to have to wear a jersey to get over. I guess, well, I'm not wearing it. Yeah. <laughs> so I took it off and gave it to one of them. And man, that was pretty funny. All right, brother. Well, thank you very much. Thank it's appreciated. Hey, man. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate your time.